Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we always get together and talk about how we can help leaders expand their leadership capacity. We want to thank you for joining us today. My name is Matt. I'm your host, and I want to also recommend you go online to visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. That's where you can download and see some of the notes and outline for what we're going to be talking about today. Now, um, thank you again for joining us. We have none other than Dr. Conway Edwards with us today. Hey. And um, we also want to tell them we've got something coming up in January yeah. of 2023 called the Climb Leadership Conference. That is going to be January 26th through 28th. And what would you encourage leaders to know about this conference? Well, we have the, the best speaker lineup we've ever had. If you are here last year, it was an incredible time of inspiration, encouragement, and education. This year, we've tried to overdo that. We have a dear friend of mine, Darius Daniels, in the house. We've got a number of other, other communicators. You just don't want to miss it, man. Go on the website, check it out, climb-conference.com, and you can register there. We have about 35 different breakout sessions uh, for everybody. There's not a repeated breakout session in there. They're all brand new from people at our church, people outside of our church teaching. You just don't want to miss it. It's, a, it's really an experience to bring your whole team to yes. as you kick the year off to go to new heights in Jesus Christ, not only spiritually in your life, but also in the life of your church. We can't wait to see you there for that conference. It's going to be great. Join us there. Go, again, Pastor Conway mentioned climb-conference.com. Let us know if you have any questions and bring your team. We'd love to help you make that happen now. Today on the podcast, we're talking about a unique topic. It's called Uniquely One. Come on. Uniquely One. This is kind of who we are, what we're all about. Um, it's kind of the the house rules of our church and um, kind of how we roll and how yep. we operate. Why this, would you talk this about this? This is how you know whether you fit in our church or not. This is how you know if this is the church for you because these 14 or so uh, house rules uh, that make us one community is what this is all about. And we're going to encourage you to ask and answer, what are your house rules? Uh, one of the things we don't realize is that since we don't teach, uh, who we are, then people come from other environments and then try to bring who they were into who you were trying to be. Yeah. And then there's a conflict. Yeah. So what you want to do early on is just determine what are the guardrails, what are the values that determine who you really are. Uh, for example, if you ever have people walking out of your church when you're doing the salvation call, the altar call, oh. there, there's a reason for that. That's because oftentimes we don't teach people what that looks like and how to behave in the presence of God, which is part of what house rules is all about so we're going to talk about that one and why it's important for us to teach our people uh here's the etiquette when you're in church here's who we are uh, i need four minutes to do an altar call don't make it about you god wants to do something big in your life and in the life of somebody else so let's not hinder or become a distraction to what god is trying to do so that's kind of one of them so pastor matt let's jump in and see if we can get through these i think they're very important for any church leader any youth ministry to have these house rules any kids ministry or any environment that you're in you need to have some house rules that makes you unique this is not in everybody's church but it's in yours what do we got here we go number one we are servants not stars 
Man, listen, if you're a star, it means oftentimes you will use people to get what you want, and so they are simply a part of your a part of your scenery. You're the star, they're the scenery. But if you are a servant, then you follow in the, the, the model that Jesus set up yeah. for us, where all we're trying to pull off is something simple. We're trying to get as low as we can go so God can get as high as he can get, because the Bible says when you lift him up, He'll draw men, women, boys, and girls unto himself. Pastor Ma, what's the statement that we use to always oh, remind man. us of who we are and the fact that we need to get as small as we can get? The reminder. Or, or what we say in Jamaica is small up yourself. Go small ahead. up yourself, That's yeah. It. That's it. That's um, it. Nobody big, everybody small. That's it. Everybody little. Nobody big, everybody little. We're all at the foot of the cross. We're all on the same ground. So we want to remind ourselves, nobody's big. Nobody's a superstar. Nobody's got the paparazzi following them around. That's it. Nobody's got their own parking spot. That's it. Um, it's, we're all the same. We're all ready to do this because in God's eyes, we're all in this together. And if you're too big... For the small stuff. Then you're too small for the big stuff. That's it. Just never forget it. So make yourself just become a servant, man. Just become a servant. If you are a star, then you're going to fight for your significance, for your success. Mm -hmm. You're going to fight for your security. Yeah. If you're a servant, you realize God has already given you all three of those. You already have the significance in him. You already have the success in him. And you already yeah. have the security in him. So now you're really free to just serve the people of God. You don't need a title anymore. You don't need them to call you bishop anymore. You just influence people because of the relationship that you have with them, not because of the title somebody bestowed upon you. I had almost reached bishop status, but now I'm learning that's not important here. That's not as important. I know. <sighs> no bishop status here. No bishop status for me. <laughs> Number two, we invite... We don't demand. Ooh, this goes good from the stage, well, whether it's somebody well. preaching, teaching, or leading worship. I promise you, um, you, you, don't have to be a, you don't have to be a cheerleader that pumps people up to worship. You just invite people to yeah. worship, man. You don't, you don't have to demand. Well, Y'all better get up. and No, 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 no. Just say, hey, guys, would you mind getting up and let's, and let's worship God together? Because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're asking people to join you in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're not demanding that, that, they, that they do. Same thing in leadership. You're, you're inviting people on a journey, mm -hmm. and you're inspiring them to be on the journey, but yeah. you don't have to um, either beg them or, yeah. or yell at them for them to do what God has really placed inside of their hearts to do. So an inviting culture yeah. is very, very important to how you lead worship as well as how you lead people. We invite, we don't demand, we don't beg, we inspire, and we invite them to come along the journey with us. That's really good. Number three. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hop on to number three is that the environment we create is about the presence of God, and it's not like a movie theater. Boy, it's what. focused on God. It's not focused on the show. It's not spectators. It's participating and getting and connecting people to God. Uh, men and women, listen to me. I, I just think if we're not careful, because what most people in our culture go to is they go to this whole idea of the movies. So when they go to the movies, they're there to be entertained. They're yeah. there to get things for themselves. All they care about is what's in it for me. You can't go to church and do the same thing. When you go to church, you go to church to be in the presence of God. The leader's job is to connect people to God and then get out of the way yep. so God can do what he does best. What you must be very careful about is that you're not simply creating an event where people come to, 
but you're creating an experience where people can sense, yeah. feel, and embrace the presence of the living God, which means, especially in the altar call, at the end of service, you know, people got what they want, just like the movie theater, so I can leave early because I'm done. I don't need to see all the writings and who, who, was, who, was, who directed the movie or anything like that. I got what I want, so I'm done. But when you're in church, what you're now trying to do is the most important part is at the end, where now we're trying to ask people to make yeah. a major decision for Jesus Christ. And if you don't and I don't train our people to give God four minutes to change somebody's lives, it means they only came to church for themselves. So it's our job to train them or they will do what they've always done when they go into spaces where they can go and come freely. What they do? They do whatever they want to do and they do what feels yeah. good to them. We've got to train them that that moment is God's moment when he's doing something in the life of somebody. And if you get up at that moment, then the person is now distracted and now God can't do what he wants to do in their yeah. lives. Vitally important for the health of any church. Yeah, and uh, I think actively speaking, it's because too many people, too many of us come to church passively. Mm -hmm. Actively in that moment when God's doing something, you might have checked out, but you really should be praying for everyone else who God's working in their lives. Mm -hmm. So maybe you got what you needed, but there's a lot of people that we're praying for that they could receive what God has for them before we all leave. So number four is we walk in their shoes before we walk in ours. This is especially important when you're dealing with people in conflict. And if you're a part of a local body, you're always going to have conflict. It's a part of the norm of churches. So since you will, then the whole goal of it then is to make sure that what you're doing, what's important, is before you start criticizing the person, you seek to understand their perspective yeah. and can sell their perspective better than they can. Because nobody just makes a seldom do people just make a decision because they're mean, wicked, and want to get even. Obviously, some people do that, but it's, it's not the norm. Therefore, if you understood the person's perspective, you can see where they're coming from. Therefore, you're more empathetic. Therefore, you can understand them. Therefore, you can love them in a way they want to be loved. What most people do is you hear the words and you respond to the words instead of responding to their perspective and how they're seeing the current situation so if you want to put if you want to love the other person better than they if you want to love the other person like god's commanded us to right. love them then it's our assignment to walk in their shoes and understand their perspective so we can have incredible relationships because we're pursuing and worshiping an audience of one that's god that's really good number five Number five is we leave it, we leave it better than we received it. Whether it's the room, the environment, the team, we leave better than we received it. Oh, this is so important. Most of the times people come to church, they get what they want and they leave. Or most of the time they get a job, they get the job, they understand the job, they love the job, and when it's time for them to bounce, they go. And yeah. they never ask the question, somebody left it and gave it to me in a particular way, can I give the next person better than they gave me? In other words, if you're a young leader coming up and um, your assignment is to make sure it's easier for the person coming behind you, create a culture where we know we don't just get what we want and go, but we leave it better than we got it. Yeah. I, I'm trying to do that with the church. The, the church I was handed off. I want to make sure I'm leaving it better than they gave it to me so that the next set of leaders that then takes the church can take it to a level that is 10 times better than we took it because they want to make sure they're learning the lessons from the past and leaving it better, much, much better 
then they received it. Now, you might know a little bit about track and field being from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. What, would this, uh, what does this look like in a relay race? In a relay race, it looks like, hey, man, you gotta, you've got to be faithful to your distance. Let's say it's the four by one. You've got to be faithful to your distance. So somebody's going to give you the baton, and it's your job to, first of all, get the baton in full stride, not in half stride, not to make up speed. You should be in full speed when you get the baton so that you're going to now set the other person up, right. which is why you always are on the inside of the lane if you're handing the baton off, and the other person on the outside of the lane so that you can almost run together for part of it before they take it off. So it's your job to give them and set them up to do much better than you could on your own or much better than you did when you had your turn. And the reason guys go less than, everybody goes less than nine seconds in the relay race, they get to like 36 point something is the world record, you know? The reason they do that is because everybody gets the baton except the first runner in their full stride. Right. So there's no makeup time. So the beautiful thing that you do when you get this opportunity is you're giving the person handed off, whether it's the kids minister, the student minister, the choir, the band, whatever it is, you're giving them in such a good shape that they can't believe somebody will set them up for success that mm. well. That should be normal in all of our churches. That's good. Oh, wow. Yeah, there, there could be a whole lesson on track and field and the handoff, <laughs> the exchange zone. But we're going to go to number six, and that's that we create, we don't copy. Man, listen to me, please. This next generation, I love y'all, but we love to watch other people create and not create ourselves. Nothing wrong with enjoying other people and the product that they're doing, but you should have carved some time out where you are trying to create something daily or in the process of creating something daily so that you're not just being a copycat of what everybody else is doing. Be the model that other people want to copy, and the only way you can do that is if you create, which means you cannot just think operationally. You've got to now carve some time out to think conceptually. What are we doing today? that we need to stop or what do we need to think about that's not happening anywhere now that we need to start which is why you need the next generation in your meetings to help you think outside of the box that you have placed yourself in because they have no filters they have no box and they're just trying to do whatever which is why we need to give them a seat at the table sometimes so that they can tell us what they think would be impactful for the church of Jesus Christ in the future Mm -hmm. but that means we need to be open and realize we don't have all the answers. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I just think we, our God that we serve is a creative God, the most creative thing mm-hmm. ever created. Mm-hmm. And um, he shows the mark of being creative, not always reusing things. And, and we've got to get outside our box. And every time something happens, we've got to say, what did we learn here? How can we do something new? And some things we're going to keep. Some things we're going to copy. Some things we're going to create and do new. But the great organizations and churches are the ones that are creating new things. Love it. So, number seven, community over isolation. Ma, 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 ma. Everything in our culture is driving us toward independence, isolation, and away from community. Everything digital, that's where it's driving us. Everything we do in our culture today, um, from, from the whole theme of our country, the idea that we want our own independence, which is, which is great in its initial insight, onset. But the problem becomes the Bible demands us to live in community. Life change happens best 
in the context of community. So mm -hmm. we've got to wrestle with how do we make sure we're creating people living in communities so God can do his best work in the midst of you with your, with your close-knit friends so that we can make a difference for the glory of God. But you got to remember, everything you do, this idea of working from home, individual, independence, all about me. This idea of um, when you want to do something, let me go entrepreneurial, me, myself, let me do me. Everything in our culture drives us to that. Nothing wrong with being an entrepreneur, nothing wrong with working from home. Yeah. But everything wrong with if we think we are better in isolation than we are in community. The Bible demands that we're supposed to live in community, which is why you've got to fight to maintain the community because it's so much easier to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's better, the Bible says, to do it in community. What do you think about that? Well, I think there's a, there's a misconception that some people are in community. And your community is not your, your LinkedIn followers, your Instagram followers, <laughs> your Facebook friends. That's not community. That's well, just, that's a type of community. That's like a social but that's interaction. that's biblical community. That's correct. Yeah, it's not biblical community. So it's a false... We, we're more connected that way than we ever have been before, but yeah. yet still retreating in isolation yeah. and, and struggling. The Bible calls it, uh, how are you loving one another? Yeah. How are you praying for one another? How are you sacrificing for one another? How are you bearing one another's burdens? Uh, that's what the community is supposed to do, and we can do that when we get together and when we, when we forge those intimate, long-term relationships. So that's what we think is vital. It's vital for a church because we realize that if we don't get people in community, then they won't get to Christ-likeness like they should unless they're in that form of community. And, that, and I mean, just because that's a big part uh, of who we are, mm -hmm. that form of community is messy. Oh, gosh. It does, it's not clean. It doesn't fit in a box. Um, but when you're <laughs> And nobody is trained in it. Yeah. So therefore, when there's conflict, we run, as opposed to when there's conflict, we mm -hmm. work through it and do everything we can to pull that off for the glory of God. So I agree wholeheartedly. It, we've, we've got to train people how to deal with conflict in community because it's yeah. naturally going to happen. All right, number eight, we exist so that people far from God can receive life in Christ, new life in Christ. My, my, my. This is the, is the slow death of most churches, that we begin to believe that we exist for ourselves and mm. not for people far from God. We exist to be, when you come to church, to be equipped so that we can go do the work of ministry. But you got to remember, as a church, yeah. as a community of believers, we've got to stay on the front lines of finding out where the people are that don't know Christ and then having conversations around them. We should regularly be in environments that are not Christ-centered, so that we can be in the world, not of the world, but that our light can show in that world, so that we can make a difference in the darkness of the culture around us. It is vital, yeah. and it is the slow drift of every church to think inwardly and not outwardly. I'm not, I'm not minimizing the role of the church to equip the saints, to edify the saints, to preach the yeah. gospel, and to, to bring all of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But I'm also saying, now, what should be equally as important is reaching people who are far from God. The reason Christ didn't get us to heaven after we got saved is because there are more people to be saved. And it's our yeah. job to do our best, to find out where those people are, and to share the good news of the gospel. That's really good. That's, that will always be 
the score. That will always be the touchdown and why we do what we do. This, the, the way we – it never changes. That's always why we do what we do. Number nine is that honor matters. Now, this, this is a lot, and this could get taken left. It could get taken right, but honor matters. It really does, everybody. Um, as, we, as, we, um, as we live in our culture, there are very few – television shows, there are very few shows on Netflix where honoring is very important. It's a, it's a lost art in our culture. And yet still, the Bible demands it, that we honor our mother and father, that we honor the leaders above us, that we, that we make it easy for those leaders to lead us. Yeah. And yet still, we see in our culture this movement away from honor and this movement into it's all about me mm-hmm. and nobody should be over me. I should be running my own life, which is there might be truth to that in some yeah. areas. But if you don't learn how to honor, then you can't ask others to honor you back. And so the concept here is how do we speak well of, how do we show gratitude toward, and how do we honor those above us so that, as the Bible argues, it's easy for them to lead us. It's a vital wow. component here. Uh, Pastor Matt, what do you got? That's huge. Um, yeah, I, I, I just honor matters. And mm-hmm. we, we all, everybody wants to be honored. Mm-hmm. But then it's reciprocal, how well we honor others. It's, it's the parent who, who is struggling because their kids are not honoring them. But maybe all their kids see is them dishonoring those they work with. Absolutely. And honor is reciprocal. And we all want it, but do we all give it? And what's the, what's the age-old phrase we hear? If you will get under yeah. those God has placed over you, then he will take you over yeah. those he wants under That's you. That's right. That's the idea. But if you only want to be over people, but never under anybody, then it'll be very hard for you to find people that will honor up to you because you have not learned the art of honoring up to those above you. Every time. Number 10, number 10 is about, number 10 is we are generous. Mm. Um, We are generous. Anytime uh, we have extra of anything, it's our job to train ourselves to ask the question, why do I have extra? Why has God gifted me with this why has he given me with this this and what am i supposed to do with it yeah the reason you ought to be generous is because your god is generous (laughs) and jesus is asking us to be like him he's the model we should follow him if god's a giver then you and i should be a giver too uh the 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 challenge of the local church is that we ought to have a regular um diet of generosity mm-hmm. almost daily in our lives. It's the only way to fight greed. The only way to fight greed is to give. Now, greed yep. is the sexy thing that everybody doesn't mind ha- doing because if I only crave more and more and more and more and more, everybody thinks, oh, wow, they're good savers. Oh, wow, they have built such a great empire. But the only way to counteract greed yeah. from, 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 from getting lodged in your heart is if you give, which therefore means we should have a regularity of giving in our lives. Not only the tithes and offering, but, but, but seeking God and saying, God, give me somebody that needs some resources so that I have the opportunity to bless them. And it is your job and mine to make sure that on a weekly basis, we're asking God for opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else. It's the only way to beat greed. It's huge. And not only should we do it individually, we should do it corporately. 
as yeah. a whole church. As a whole church, we just did it the other day where we said, hey, man, we called it DFW, we love you. And we had the whole church come together and give. And then we're able to bless 38 to 40 uh, nonprofits by just walking up to them and blessing them with some resources yeah. from $30,000 all the way to $5,000 and just tell them thank you for all that they do. And for the work they're doing that we're not doing, but they're doing, and we're coming alongside them to help them, we just want to get you to go where God's calling you to be yeah. as quickly and as fast as you ever could. Yeah, and you know, most people listening know John 3.16 and think about that verse in context of salvation. Mm -hmm. But it also shows us that when we're giving, we're following God's footsteps because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. Yep. Because of his deep love, he gave his son. And um, he just shows us the example of, I love you so much, I'm going to give you what matters most to me. That's, good. that's what generosity is all about. That's incredible. Next up is number 11 is that we are unified under one vision. That's unity. it. Unity. That's unity. it. That's it. That's critical, everybody. At our church, our vision is we create environments um, where the unchurched love to attend and where the church is fully engaged in God, insiders and outsiders. And here's what that means. You can't have two different visions. We have a number of campuses. You can't have one campus yep. going left and one going right. So you got to have one campus, and then you got to have everybody unified under that. Or here's another way to say it. you got to have one voice and everybody else an echo. Because if you don't, then what you'll have is a division, and the only person that wins with a division is the enemy because he has now disrupted yeah. the oneness that God has sought the house to be. So whenever you have that, the enemy loves to utilize people in their frustrations to create division and that's what we have to fight again is to make sure we have one vision and everybody else is an echo once you have two you've now had division and it kills the church and people start going in different directions yeah, and there is actually a kind of fighting that's good. Instead of fighting in the church, it should be fighting for the church. Oh, that's good. So that's it, good, we're not going to fight in. We're not going to go against each other. We're going to be for each other and fight to take over ground that the enemy's trying to take over. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, when we say fighting, we, we think fighting is healthy if it's in the room. So yeah. if it's in the room and we're fighting for um, what we think is the best answer, what we think <laughs> is, the, is the right future, that's great fighting. And then once a decision is made, then we get out of the room, and then we move in the direction together in one unified front. So, yeah. so, so disagreement, robust discussion, um, um, great argumentations are all great uh, in the room not just outside the room. And yeah. so that's our goal. That tends to be um, something that we exercise frequently here, yeah, right? Yeah, almost uh, at least twice a is week. Is that a spiritual gift? It probably is. We, we get into um, <laughs> some, some, good, some good discussion. But in reality, we, we have easy agreement too much. Yep. Too many times we yep. fight past conflict, yep. and we just say, you know, oh, it's good, it's good, but we yep. haven't really aligned ourselves. So here we go. Number 12 is... We give up our seat. My, my, my. Talk to us about that one, man. That what, what applies in a lot of yeah. context. Um, we give up our seat. We give up our parking spot. We give up anything we think we have a right to mm -hmm. because we're outward and others focused. Yeah. So it means, you know what, if, if I'm coming to an event and it's full as a leader, as somebody who's all in, I'm going to give up my spot so that somebody else can have a spot. That's it. When I roll up to church um, and I'm a pastor of a church, I'm going to go park in the volunteer parking lot. Guess what? We don't have a parking spot up front. 
because the spot's up front are for our guests. And what it means is I want the best for the guest who might not know Jesus, the guest who might be new to our church. I want the best for them, and I'm going to intentionally be ready to sacrifice for that. Yeah, and you do that when you understand the why we do what we do. All we're doing is setting up God and people to have dates together because yeah. we're convinced when you go on a date with God in a service, you're going to fall in love with God like Jesus, like we have fallen in love with Jesus. Therefore, we don't want to make anything weird about the date. So if that means somebody gets the park closed, then albeit, let's go, come on, let's go. Because we are convinced when you meet Jesus, everything is going to be different in your life. So if, if we're, I'm in a seat and somebody needs a seat, which often happens at our church, and I'm, I'm, it's easy for me because I know the why to give up my seat. Hey, let somebody who don't have a seat come out and sit in my seat. I'll stand up and wait till I got to go preach. Why do I do that? Because I know that it's not about me. It's not about my comfort. Uh, and I also know when they get to hear from Jesus, mm-hmm. Everything changes, not just for them, but for their family, for their grandkids, for their great-grandkids. So why would I want to disrupt what God wants to do just for my comfort? I wouldn't. Therefore, because I understand the why, it is my joy to give my seat up so somebody can get their seat. Yeah, that, that was just so good. And it's really, it's really saying, you know what, I'm not going to do what's convenient for me. That's I'm going to be committed to the mission God that's has it. for us that's and it. our church and our vision. The, By the way, that's what servants do. That's well, what servants hello. do. Servants don't mind giving it up. See, the problem is when somebody starts treating us like a servant, that's when we get mad. Uh-oh. But that's when we should embrace, this is who I am, right? It's yeah. not about me. I'm not in the center of my world. God's in the center, and I'm on the periphery. So therefore, since God's in the center, somebody gets to interact with God, then why wouldn't I yeah. want to sit on the sideline and watch what God does? It's like watching your kids get a Christmas gift. You're not that excited anymore about Christmas gifts, but you know the kids are. They, so you can't wait to see them yeah. open it. So what you're doing is you're sitting, sitting, sitting back and watching and getting a front row seat to see what God is doing in somebody else's life. That's our why. And that makes it easy for me to give up my seat. All That's right. The last one. Last one. Number 13 is we are grateful. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We're grateful. Uh, I don't know how else to stay humble, but to always realize yeah. how good we have it. No matter how bad it is, no matter how much somebody else is doing better, if you always have a spirit of gratitude, yeah. there's something about that says, I know I don't deserve this, but I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to do this. And that's what you're saying. You're just living in a state of gratitude because you know everything you have, you don't deserve it. Even right. though people have more than you have, even though they've got more people than you have, more video than you have, more everything than you have. If, but you know there's still a lot of people, millions and millions, that doesn't have life as good as you and I have it, which is why we ought to be very grateful for all that God has done. Makes yeah. sense, everybody? There's two things that are mutually exclusive. They cannot live in the same room. Entitlement and gratitude. Absolutely, 100%. Therefore, and it's your job to choose which one you want, <laughs> entitlement or gratitude. That's right. Is it what I deserve or is it what I'm glad that I have? Yep. Um, am I going to point out everything that's wrong or am I going to be grateful and make everything the best I can? No, that's good. These are some of the things that make us unique. At one community church, people say, how do you, how do you, why do you do this? Why do you think this way? I said, this is what we've done from the start. We've just thought to be, to be always grateful, to be servants, not stars, to, to yeah. make sure we're thinking about the other person more than ourselves. And, and when you make that a lifestyle and when you make other people that come into the culture, when they do stuff that's against that, you just remind, hey, that's, that's not who we are. It might be who 
you used to be, but that's not who we are. And we're not sinning because of this church. We're sinning because all 13 of these are Christ-centered values mm -hmm. that are normal for the Christian. Therefore, it should be normal for you and I as well. That's what makes us unique, I think. That's there you have it. Closing thought. Uniquely one. And, and again, this might be something that you're going to go through an exercise of figuring out what it is for you. Maybe half of these fit you well and you need to adjust some of these. Just find what fits you, but you need to figure out how has God um, hardwired your DNA? Mm -hmm. How has he gifted you to make a difference? And then set these down, write them out, work through them, pray over them so that you know who you are. Yeah. And make sure you have a biblical foundation. For yeah. So when you go to the show notes, you'll see biblical foundations for all of these. That just reminds us this is who we are. And this is who God's calling Christians to be. And so you can exercise some of this. So, for example, you might want to have faith that you add yours. And you might, we want to be a, come, a church that always have audacious faith yeah. or, or wild faith or courageous faith. Then, then you put that on there. Or, or maybe you want creativity. Or, or maybe you want something else. Whatever it is, you write down what yours are. And then and you just teach that to your body so that they know that as well and they yeah. can live it out. So now you don't have to have the individual fights on a daily or weekly basis. Every time, Well, we don't do that at our church. Because you're teaching it, they know already this is who we are. This is who we're not. Let's make sure we, we stay who we are and not try to become somebody That's good. else. Well, like Pastor Conway mentioned, go get the show notes. Visit 1cc.com slash Leadership Roundtable, you can see all of those notes, and we encourage you to go through this with your team or others that you work or lead with. It's we're, a great We're going team. to have two of them for this one. We're going to have one called Volunteers versus Servants, and then we're going to have the, all the, the notes for the other one. But this one right here is incredible for you and your team to just go through yes. so that everybody will know what it looks like when you're a servant versus when you're a volunteer. Because yeah. here's the truth. There's no, God's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful volunteer. He is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's go create some servants. Amen. Hey, if this has been beneficial to you, I want to encourage you, the biggest blessing you could be to this podcast is to share it and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to. And again, we want to thank you for joining us. We're grateful that you're here. And every time we get to hang out every single month, we can't wait to see you next month. God bless you. Hold on. But remember, hold it. You got to remember the conference. Go register climb for that conference. Climb dash too. leadership. Climb dash climb conference. Dash conference. Well, I messed that up. Climb dash conference dot com. And it'll be in the show notes too. Yeah, that's right. Sounds great. We'll see Love you next you time. See ya. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit one cc dot com slash leadership roundtable now if this has been helpful leave us a review go out there and hit subscribe and more importantly share this with your team so that everybody can grow we can't wait to see you next time